morning. We're going to turn to Matthew chapter 13 today. Matthew chapter 13. And to continue on, we were talking about the, Jesus switching to parables. And in this chapter, um, Jesus tells a number of parables and largely all on the same topic. And we're going to start in verse 24. We're going to read this next parable that Jesus gets into, and then we'll carry on from there. So Matthew 13, verse 24 says, Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servants said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together the first, first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. And that's the end of that parable. And as we look through this chapter, starting with this parable, Jesus starts the parable with this phrase, the, the kingdom of heaven is like. And he does this six times um, through this chapter. The very next verse says, another parable spake he unto them, the kingdom of heaven is like. And then he, he goes on with the parable and he, he said, this has happened six times just in this chapter alone. And then at the end of the chapter, uh, verse 52, Jesus then says, he says, Therefore, every scribe which is instructed unto the kingdom of heaven is like unto a, a man that is an householder, which bringeth forth out of his treasure things new and old. And so after describing the kingdom of heaven these six different times in these different ways, these different pictures that he gives, he then describes the person that's instructed in that, and he says, that person is like, and he, he carries on that, that thought, that picture of this kingdom of heaven. And, but before we get into the specifics of this parable, or any one of these parables about the kingdom of heaven, I realize that we need to have an understanding of what the kingdom of heaven is, what Jesus is actually talking about in this passage, um, what what he's referring to when he's saying the kingdom of heaven. Um, it's all good to, to explain a, a parable, what, what the kingdom of heaven is like, but if we don't have any context of what the kingdom of heaven actually is, what he's talking about, the description of it isn't going to really help us. And so today we're going to 
focus on that, what the kingdom of heaven is. And to start off with, if we turn back to the Old Testament book of Daniel, uh, Daniel chapter 2, verse 44 says, And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. And so we have this prophecy in Daniel chapter 2 of God setting up a kingdom. And it says it, that kingdom is never going to be destroyed. And that kingdom is going to break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms. In other words, all the kingdoms of the earth are going to be broken and consumed. They're going to be overtaken by this kingdom that God sets up. And so, God is promising to set up a kingdom. And it's a literal earthly kingdom. And we're going to get into that more as we go on here. And then, just to complete that thought, if we turn all the way to the end of the book of Revelation, there's a couple of verses here that it's still prophetic. It still hasn't happened yet but again reiterates this promise, this prophecy of God setting up a kingdom. And in Revelation chapter 20, um, the first few verses, I'm going to read the first six verses here. Verse 1 says, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones, and they, that, and they sat upon them. The judgment was given unto them, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until a thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. And so we see this description of Jesus' second coming, and he is setting up a kingdom. He is not just setting up a kingdom, but he's setting up a rule, and if we look more into the details of this as it's described um, in Revelation, you see he's going to come with a rod of iron. He's going to rule and reign. Um, he's going to take complete control of the whole earth in this thousand-year period. And this is, this is, again, the second coming of Christ. And it's interesting, when we look at this, the Jews that 
Jesus came to, when Jesus came on his first coming, they're looking for a Messiah that was going to do this. They're looking for a Messiah that's going to come and take over and destroy the kingdoms of the earth, do exactly what Daniel said that God was going to do in that kingdom. But we, that's not, they didn't understand the first part of the Messiah's job was to come meekly and to come and be sacrificed. He had to, he had to die. He had to offer the sacrifice before coming and setting up this kingdom. But they didn't understand that part of it. They understood the Daniel part of, of the Messiah coming to take over, to, to rule and reign and, and become this everlasting kingdom that was going to rule over the earth. And so we see that, and now this is a thousand year period that's going to take place, and we call this the millennial reign of Christ. But it doesn't end there. That's uh, This passage we read describes that Satan is bound for that thousand years and he's going to be loosed for a little season. Um, Satan's going to be allowed to go, go out and deceive people one more time and to build up an army to have one more attempt to fight against God. And it's at that point, at the, that end of the thousand years, when Satan's released, he gathers that army and Christ defeats him one final time. And it's then that he gets cast into the lake of fire and it's the end of everything. And we get this a new heaven and a new earth. Uh, chapter 21 of Revelation, first three verses describe the next step in this program. And it says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God, out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven, saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And so in Revelation 21, this is after that last battle when after the judgment seat of Christ, or um, the great white throne judgment, sorry. And that um, is the eternal kingdom. But referring back to our passage in Matthew, Looking at it and, and the, the descriptions of it, I would believe that Jesus is really talking about the millennial reign, the, um, the initial setting up of that kingdom, that thousand year period, is what he's really referring to when he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. And yes, there is a, a rebuilding of all of that afterwards, but when he's likening the kingdom of heaven, um, it would fit with that thousand year period more so than with the eternal kingdom. Not that there's a, a, a just because there's a distinction only because of the battle that takes place there. God never loses control. He never stops reigning on earth. So it is a, he is setting up a never ending kingdom. He's that second coming is fulfilling 
Daniel 2, but there is a, a break there and a bit of a change in that because of the new heaven and the new earth. So there is there is a change. Now again, we're just going back into this. When we go to Matthew chapter 4, Jesus, this is very early in Jesus' ministry. And verse 17 says that from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So Jesus is describing, again, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is that kingdom of heaven. But he says it's at hand. In other words, it's not here yet. Um, it's within reach. It's within the grasp of the people that are there. He's offering to bring in this kingdom. And I believe that Jesus was actually offering to bring in the kingdom to the people that were alive in that day. Had they accepted him, if Israel as a whole had accepted him as their Messiah, I believe that after his crucifixion, he would have the brought in it would have brought in the, the tribulation, the seven-year period, the fulfillment of Daniel's prophecy of the, of the 70 weeks. Um, we have right up until that point fulfilled with Jesus coming. And then we have one more week yet to be fulfilled, which is that tribulation period that we call it. And had they accepted him, um, and if we look at, Acts chapter 7 um, and the stoning of um, Stephen. His, Stephen has uh, Stephen has preached to these people that are about to stone him. These are the Jews. This is the, the Jewish people are gathered around him. The Jewish leaders, the scribes, the Pharisees, and the, all these people and Jesus, Stephen is preaching Christ to them. He's showing them clearly that Jesus really truly was the Messiah. And this is the plan. And had they accepted that at the time, I believe that that would have brought in the tribulation and Jesus would have returned immediately after the next seven-year period. It's interesting watching, looking at the verse, and we have to be careful not to read too much into things, but I believe there is meaning in this. Uh, in Acts 7, verse 55 and 56, it says, But he, that's Stephen, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And said, Behold, I see the heavens opened, and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. And it's interesting to see that at this moment, Stephen is seeing Jesus standing on the right hand of God. When we move further into the New Testament, 
um, there's a couple of different verses, but we see in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12, it says, But this man, speaking of Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. And we just see that there's a difference um, in the stance of Jesus. I believe that Jesus was ready to fulfill the prophecies of the Messiah, to set up that kingdom at that point, had Israel repented and believed in him at that point. But they didn't, not as a, as a whole. Um, of course, there are individuals who did believe in him, but as a whole, the nation did not. And it seems that Jesus then sat down and was prepared to wait. And we'll, we'll look at a couple of verses in a moment about that, that waiting period. And so, back to the, this idea of the, the kingdom, and we need to finish that thought first here. Matthew 4, again, and just a few verses after where it said Jesus was preaching that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, Verse 23 says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Now, we see that in one verse he's talking about, the, he's preaching that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then just several, a few verses later, it says he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And if we connect those scriptures together, we can see the gospel of the kingdom isn't the gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ that we preach for salvation today, but the gospel of the kingdom, the good news, and that's what the gospel means, but the good news of the kingdom is that the kingdom of heaven was at hand. The Messiah was present among them, and that kingdom was ready to be set up during the lifetime of the people that he was preaching to. It could have happened. And so that was the good news. Had they believed in their in the Messiah at that time, and Jesus being the Messiah, they could have received the kingdom then. And so, as we carry on looking at this kingdom, gospel, um, this this kingdom of heaven being at hand, I want to just um, prove from, from the scripture that the kingdom is not yet set up. The kingdom is not presently established. And I believe that there is some confusion among some Christians as to what the kingdom of heaven is and and what it isn't. And so we just need to understand that the kingdom of heaven is not yet established on, on this earth. Um, John 18, verse 36, adds to that just, just a little bit. Uh, this is at Jesus' trial, and he's being asked about being a king. And his answer says, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world... Then would my servants fight, 
that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. He's, he's not denying that he's a king. He's just saying, my kingdom isn't here at this time. And that last phrase in, the, in that verse, but now is my kingdom not from hence, it's just not currently from here. His, his kingdom wasn't yet established on this earth. And we can see that in, in other scriptures. Second uh, Corinthians 4 verse 4 says, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Well, who's the God of this world blinding the minds of them which believe not? Well, it certainly isn't Jesus. Jesus isn't going to blind people's minds so that they don't believe the gospel. The God of this world is Satan. And this is Second Corinthians. This is well into the, the church age. And after Jesus' resurrection, Satan is still the God of this world at that time. And we can see that even further. Um, early in Matthew, we, we've looked at uh, his when Jesus went into the wilderness to fast for 40 days, and Satan came and tempted him. Uh, Luke chapter 4 has the same uh, story. And then in verse 6 and 7, it says, And the devil said unto him, that's unto Jesus, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and whomsoever I will, I give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. And so Satan had taken Jesus up and shown him all the kingdoms of the world. And now he's offering to give these kingdoms the power to rule the kingdoms of the world to Jesus. If, he'll, if Jesus would bow down and worship Satan. Do you notice Jesus didn't refute that Satan had that power, that those kingdoms were currently his to rule, and that he could give them to whoever he wanted to rule over them. Jesus didn't argue that, because that is currently the case. If you look around our worlds, whether it's you're looking today, it's, it's clear, and you look through history, it's clear that God is not ruling this world in the way that we see the Bible describing that God will rule the world. The world is currently ruled by Satan. Galatians 1.4 says, Who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world, according to the will of God and our Father. This, this present world is evil, because God isn't ruling over this world. He's not yet established his kingdom on this world. Once he has, it will no longer be an evil world. Why in Matthew chapter 6, when we see the, the Lord's Prayer, it says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. We're looking forward to his kingdom coming, his kingdom being established on earth 
where his will is going to be done when that time comes, when he establishes his kingdom on earth, his will is going to be done on earth, just like it is currently done in heaven, where he currently is. So there is very clear descriptions in scripture that that kingdom hasn't yet been set up, that it is still a future kingdom. Now, we often refer to adding to the kingdom of God and, and we refer to the kingdom quite frequently in the way we talk and the way we uh, describe uh, soul winning and when people trust Christ as their savior, we say we've added to the kingdom. And so there is this distinction in that and Jesus does make a distinction. He doesn't sit down and, and elaborate on it, but he does use a different terminology at different times. And we can see that um, in Luke chapter 17. We'll see a distinction between where Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven, which is a physical earthly kingdom that is yet to be set up, where Christ will come and rule and reign. He will maintain law and order when he's doing that. But there is, he also uses the phrase, the kingdom of God. And yes, sometimes he uses it interchangeably because the kingdom of God is a part of, or is, is all going to be a part of that kingdom of heaven. But he does sometimes make a distinction when he uses the phrase, the kingdom of God, to describe a spiritual kingdom. And so we see that in Luke 17, uh, verse 20. It says, And when he was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. And so, now we see other descriptions when when Jesus comes back, the second coming, it says every eye shall see and every, like everyone's going to know. There is nobody hidden in any corner of the earth that's not going to know when Jesus comes back to establish his kingdom. But here he says, it comes not with the kingdom of God, doesn't come with observation. No one's going to say low here, or low there. He says it's within you. The kingdom of God, when Jesus uses that phrase, kingdom of God, rather than the kingdom of heaven, he's speaking of the spiritual kingdom of souls being saved, people trusting in Christ as their savior. You become a part of the kingdom of God and you will eventually be a part of the kingdom of heaven, that physical earthly kingdom that will be set up one day. But there is a, a, a distinction that can be made when you're, you're reading, you can see that distinction in Jesus' terminology. And sometimes when he says kingdom of God, he's not necessarily talking about an earthly physical kingdom. He's often referring to a spiritual kingdom. Now, in Acts chapter 1, again, we see... Um, Starting in verse 6, it says, When they therefore were come together, 
they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now these guys are asking Jesus about a literal kingdom. This is, they want, are you going to restore again the kingdom to Israel? Like, are you going to come and be the Messiah that we're expecting you to be? And you're going to establish a kingdom and you're going to rule not just over Israel, but you're going to take over the world, right? When are you going to do that? This is after his resurrection. This is when Jesus is with the disciples um, in that time period before, after his resurrection, but before he ascended up into heaven. This time where he's teaching them. And they're trying to understand this because they, they understand the prophecy. They understand that he is the Messiah. They believe him. But they're trying to put the pieces together now. And Jesus says, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons. And I would expand that to all the way to today. It wasn't for the disciples to know, and it's not for us to know. Now, we, we've been given a, a lot of scripture about end times things and describing those events and the things that are going to lead up to those events. But the Bible tells us that no man knows the day or the hour except the Father. And so God the Father is the only one who knows when he's going to fulfill these things. And when the disciples were asking about this, this is, that's exactly his answer. Says, it's not given to you to know when this stuff's going to happen. It's not given to us to know when these things are going to happen. And so we look around and we, we see a world around us that it looks like all the pieces are falling into place to fulfill all the things that are described of the Antichrist and the Mark of the Beast and all these things like, wow, we got this system set up and, and this pandemic has created a situation where all the governments are all seem to be cooperating. They're all doing the same things in response to this and perfect situation to set up a one world government and we've got the technology now and you know people are looking at this vaccine and the vaccine passports look this is just like the mark of the beast you're going to need this passport to be able to go into a store to buy and sell and so people are looking and like oh we everything's lining right up with scripture we're going to Go, it's close. The second coming is close. Well, maybe. <laughs> but every major point in history, um, there's, all, there's always been big events happening, um, oppression of the church and different things going on where the church, the Christians of the day, always have thought that the time was near. They thought that the events of their day we're leading up to that and their understanding of the scriptures up to that point really pointed them that this, this, the time is near. And so 
as much as I believe the time is near, I don't believe that I can know that exactly when that's going to be. And it doesn't have to be in my lifetime just because that's how I see things. So we just have to understand that we don't know. It's not given to us to know the time. But it is given to us. And this is the point of this passage in Acts. But you shall receive power to preach, to be witnesses of Jesus, to tell the gospel. And he did Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. That's the building of a spiritual kingdom that one day is going to be fulfilled in a literal earthly kingdom. And there are two kingdoms that will work together. They'll be combined one day. But currently we're, we're building a spiritual kingdom as we preach the gospel. And one day Jesus is going to come back and establish a physical kingdom where those who became a part of that spiritual kingdom will rule and reign with him. Matthew chapter 11, verse 12 says, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Well, this is an interesting verse, based if you're thinking about the things I've been saying about this kingdom is a physical kingdom that's not yet established, why is it then suffering violence? Well, first of all, the kingdom of God can't suffer violence. <clears throat> Nobody can take the kingdom of God by force. But this earthly kingdom, Jesus is going to set up an earthly kingdom. His headquarters, his kingdom is set up in Jerusalem is where he's going to rule from. And he's going to rule the whole earth from that point. And so, historically, we understand that Israel, and specifically Jerusalem, is the site of the establishment of the kingdom of heaven. And so we, we can describe that land as being the kingdom of heaven, but, and it currently suffers violence, and violent people take it by force. It's changed hands from from one group of people to another numerous times, even since Christ's day. And so when he was preaching this, um, it was a short period later when, when Jerusalem was taken by the Muslims. And so, and we see this, there's a continual transferring of rulers over this land. Because God hasn't yet established his physical kingdom. He hasn't yet returned to take over that land. Yet we, can, we still understand it to be the kingdom of heaven. It's, it's the site. It's the location of where that kingdom is going to be set up. And so it's not yet being established. But it will be. And we can, we can kind of look at it and call it the kingdom of heaven 
as as a, a physical location of just in, in, in anticipation of that establishment of, of that literal physical kingdom. It's interesting, and the reason that that's not yet set up is because Israel rejected their king when he came the first time. We've had 2,000 years since that time. And his kingdom has been in mystery form since then. That mystery form being that the kingdom of God being a spiritual kingdom. It's Christ ruling and reigning in the hearts of the believers. And so we describe that as the kingdom. But we need to just make that distinction of kingdom of God. We're part of God's kingdom while still realizing that there's that's that's a spiritual kingdom, but there is yet a physical kingdom to be established. Colossians 1 verse 26 says, Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of his mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so we become a part of the kingdom of God. This We become a part of this kingdom having Christ in us. And we have this hope of glory. But there is yet to be a future um, completion of that story. And that's, that is, that completion, that fulfillment of that prophecy is what I believe Jesus is referring to in all of these parables when he says the kingdom of heaven is like, he's describing what that time is going to be like, the things that are going to take place when he comes back again to establish that literal physical kingdom. He's not describing the current um, conditions of the world um, in our day as we, we call, you know, we're a part of the kingdom of God, we're a part of his kingdom. Well, that's not, that's as much as that is true, it's not what Jesus is referring to in these passages. He's, he's referring to the second coming. He's referring to him coming to rule and reign, a literal earthly reign over this world. So there's a distinction there, and we need to understand that distinction when we start to look at these parables, because they, otherwise they will not make sense to us. And just to finish the thought that I had presented earlier, Romans 11, verse 25 says, For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits. So here, and now we're going to tell us what this mystery is. Don't be ignorant of this mystery. That blindness, in part, has happened to Israel. So remember I said, as a, as a whole, as a nation, Israel had rejected Christ. And when Stephen was being stoned, this is like the last opportunity that was being given for Israel to repent and to accept Christ as their Messiah. And from that point on, you see a change 
in the ministry, there's still people ministering to Jews. Um, that didn't completely stop, but the focus turned. And blindness has happened to Israel. Like, as yes, Jews still get saved, but as a whole, that nation is blind to the gospel of Jesus. And that is what this is described. That blindness is, in part, is happened to Israel. And it finishes it saying, until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And so we, as Gentiles, have been given a blessing that was prophesied way back when God made these promises to Abraham that all nations of the world will be blessed through him. We got that prophecy was given, and here it is being fulfilled. And for this period of time, rather than focusing on Israel, God allowed them to reject him. And he just kind of put them on hold and offered that salvation to the rest of the world. And it says, until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Meaning, there's going to be this period of time when God's opening salvation to the rest of the world outside of Israel. But it's a limited period of time. He is going to bring that period to an end. And he's going to go back and finish the prophecies. Just like in Daniel, there's that 70 weeks prophecy and that 70th week, that last week of that prophecy hasn't yet been fulfilled. And it is going to be fulfilled. God hasn't changed his plan. He just put it on hold. There was a, a pause in that when Israel rejected the Messiah. And God opened this period of time where he's opened salvation to all of us. But it says when the fullness of the Gentiles become in, when, when God's done with the Gentiles, when he finishes this time period where he's opened that salvation up to us, he's going to go back and finish the prophecies to Israel. He's going to bring in that 70th week. And that's what we see in the tribulation period. And we can get into some other things with that thought, but I, I won't today. But we do see that that fulfillment is going to happen. And then when we look at the book of Revelation, we see that fulfillment, that turn from the focus on the church being primarily Gentiles. The focus goes back to Israel. And Jesus completes those prophecies. He fulfills those prophecies. And at the end, in those verses that we read early on here, at the end of Revelation, we see that Jesus comes back again and establishes the kingdom. He fulfills all the prophecies that the Jews were looking forward to, that they were expecting the Messiah to accomplish. He is still going to accomplish those things. His physical earthly kingdom that Jesus is referring to in these parables is yet to be established. So I hope that helps people to understand um, you know, what Jesus is referring to and understanding the distinctions between how we dis how we talk about being a part of the kingdom but what specifically that's a being a spiritual kingdom but specifically Jesus is referring to a physical earthly kingdom where he is actually going to rule and reign 
over the whole earth from Jerusalem at a future date. And so that's what we're looking at when we look at these parables. All right, let's pray. Father, just again, thank you for this time that we have looking at your word. And I just pray, Lord, that we would be able to understand these things, that we should, that we would be clear in our minds and the distinctions that are made in scripture um, so that as we talk about these parables, um, when Jesus is making reference to certain things, that we would understand how those things fit so that we could better apply those um, to our understanding, to our lives, Lord. Um, just help us to to grow, uh, help us to trust in you, um, even in these days when there's so many trials that we face um, and so many questions that we have that we don't know what to think or how to respond. Um, just give us wisdom, Lord. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.